Welcome to The Average Shepherd. My name is Father Sam French and today is Sunday in the 31st week of Ordinary Time and today's homily is called Transforming Mercy. Let's begin. There is no limit to God's mercy whenever a sinner repents. In the moment that we turn our hearts away from sin and towards our God, He is right there waiting to receive us into His love. Now we witness the healing mercy of God today in the Gospel when Zacchaeus makes contact with Jesus. But I think for us to appreciate the story of what's going on here, we need some background information. In Jewish society, almost no one was hated more than tax collectors. Not only did tax collectors place a significant, if not crippling, financial pressure on their fellow kinsmen, but they were seen by their fellow Jews as complicit in their own exploitation and mistreatment under their Roman oppressors. Now, the way that tax collectors earned all their money was basically by going as private citizens to the Roman government and submitting to them a tax bid for a certain district. Basically, the estimated amount of money they thought they could squeeze out of any particular area or suburb. Now, so long as the tax collector could hit that proposed figure given to the Romans, they could keep for themselves whatever was left over as their own commission. Now, not only did this create an incentive for them to forcefully collect every cent the Romans wanted, but also to exploit their fellow Jews wherever possible to increase their own personal share. So you can see now why tax collectors were so deeply despised by their neighbours. Now, adding to all this, you'll notice that Zacchaeus in today's gospel is identified as a chief tax collector in Jericho. This means he wasn't some low-level employee of the Romans. He was a pro Obviously, a man who had worked his way up and was now likely making even more money by subcontracting tax districts out to others. So although Zacchaeus would have been an incredibly wealthy man considering what we know about the tax collecting system, the text hints at the fact that he wasn't a happy man, that his money, property, and possessions were not satisfying the deeper yearnings of his heart. We can know this because no wealthy man of position and influence in the ancient world would have jeopardized their social status, at least with the Romans, by running through the town and embarrassing themselves by climbing up a tree simply out of some sense of idle curiosity or the rumor of miracles. I think a true glimmer of hope had entered Zacchaeus' heart when he heard the news of a prophet passing through Jericho. Could this man Jesus hold the key to the deepest desires of his heart? I think Zacchaeus' actions, even at the beginning of the gospel, are a lesson for all of us. Because when it comes to our faith in Jesus, we shouldn't care what other people think. We shouldn't be scared of embarrassment. St. Jose Maria once wrote, Convince yourself that there is no such thing as ridicule for whoever is doing what is best. There's no such thing as ridicule for those who are doing the right thing. Because if God is who he says he is, and if our eternal life is truly on the line, who cares what anyone else says or thinks about us and our faith? What good is social acceptance and popularity in this life if it just leads us to hell? We need to be courageous in our faith and in our hope. So, back to the story. While Zacchaeus is up the tree, desperately seeking Jesus, little did he know that Jesus was already seeking him. Because no matter what our sins are, there is nothing more attractive to the Lord than a sincere and repentant heart. St. Ambrose once said, Our Lord chose a hated chief tax collector. Who then can despair when such a man obtains God's grace? We see God's mercy in action when despite the throng of people surrounding him, reaching out to him, crying his name, 
Jesus saw Zacchaeus from a mile away. Despite the surging crowd gathered round, he sensed through all that noise a heart that was ready to receive him. Jesus reaches him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Hurry, because I must stay at your house today. Now, while it's true that Jesus did literally go to Zacchaeus' house for dinner, I think he was also speaking spiritually to us. Because on the day that we turn from sin and seek the Lord like Zacchaeus did, he comes to us and in a very real way takes up residence in our life and in our heart. Now, how do we know if this has happened to us? How do we know if Jesus has taken up residence in our lives? We know because when we truly strive each day to live by his grace, in accordance with his teaching and strengthened by the sacraments, everything changes. Our whole perspective on life, our relationships, prayer, and even material possessions changes. And we see this take place in Zacchaeus himself, because the moment he encounters Jesus, he says, Master, I'm going to give half of my property to the poor, and I'm going to pay back those I've cheated four times over. The transformation that we see taking place in Zacchaeus is that he no longer lives for himself. His life was no longer about the concern of comfort or gain or prestige or social position. It was about living in relationship with Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. More than anything else, the will of the Lord had become for him the chief purpose of his life. Now, even if he remained a wealthy man, that wealth was now at the service of faith, no longer himself. As again, St. Ambrose says, Let the rich learn that evil does not consist in having wealth, but in not putting it to good use. For just as riches are an obstacle to evil people, they are also a means of virtue for good people. When Zacchaeus declares his commitment of generosity to the poor, Jesus says in that moment, Today, salvation has come to this house. So let us pray today also for our salvation, that we may first receive the grace of repentance like Zacchaeus and run to meet Jesus, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. For this purpose, I've uh, provided a link below this podcast to a good examination of conscience that might help prompt our reflection in this regard. Second, pray for our salvation, that we be transformed by the grace of Christ and begin to see our lives, our relationships, our talents, and our possessions in light of God's will, not just our own. To that end, I invite you now just to close your eyes, unless you're driving, of course, as I pray on our behalf that famous prayer of St. Ignatius, the Sushipe, meaning receive in Latin, that we too may entrust everything to God in the same manner as Zacchaeus. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, for that is enough for me. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus, through the intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help me spread the word and the average shepherd, you can do so by throwing this up online or sharing with anyone you think might benefit. Thank you and God bless.